Next time you're driving through Redwood City, be sure and stop by one of Embark's newest locations at 1870 Broadway. Embark, the Bay Area's friendliest dispensaries, seven locations in NorCal. Mention this ad for an additional 10% off. Boom. We are here for episode four of Smoking Bridges with the great Alan Holland, longtime cannabis journalist, now serving as editor-in-chief of High Times Magazine. How are you, Alan? I am doing great, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me here. Me and Alan go back. Uh, we've been writing together for the better part of a decade, and I've watched her meteoric rise to now being in one of, you know, pretty much the gig in cannabis journalism for uh, in the past 30 years was to be the editor of High Times. You're it. How's it feel, bud? Oh, feels freaking fantastic. It is amazing. You know, we're living the dream. Do you feel the pressure of the culture? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. You know, but we got to do it. We've got to keep going. How long? So, you know, you had a, a long run at Cannabis Now for years before that. You've been freelance for a bunch of other cool people. How long have you been at High Times now? Uh, it's been about a year now. Yes. Yeah. Putting together that print magazine. It's looking beautiful. A labor of love for you. A longtime layout enthusiast. Sure, yeah. I, re- <laughs> I really uh, enjoy looking at beautiful photos of cannabis. And that's a you know that's something that you can do in a magazine. And this, you can't, I can't even imagine how many great ones don't even make it at this point just because you only get so many pages, you know? Sure. Yeah, but we're, we've been running pretty big spreads, you know, very large. We did Yeah, we were 10 pages on preferred. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. felt loved. Yeah, it's looking real good, you know. You're like, oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't another, realize. You know, another I gotta, bud, another bud, yeah. I just bust out the words and go look at it a few months later, and it's like, wow, that was cool. That was that one was exceptionally, uh, I was exceptionally excited on that one for sure. Appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. It turned out great. What's been your favorite part of the gig besides the cool pictures? Um, I I really enjoy just putting the whole thing together, like having a, having something that's complete at the end of it each month. Um, you know, working with all the contributors like yourself and the photographers and the beautiful people who do the illustrations. Um, it's just a wonderful uh, way to showcase cannabis. Amen. So, well, so, you know, for those at home that aren't as familiar with you, why don't you kind of like explain your path to high times from – uh, you know, Central California, small town reporter, essentially. Sure, yeah. We, being here at the San Francisco Chronicle, this is this is really exciting for me. This is like, <laughs> I a, know, you know, it's crazy. like a moment. Like I'm like, yes, we we did it. We're here. <laughs> they let us in. You know, I came uh, like when David Downs used to be the editor of Green State. Um, he had me come and bring him some edibles at the door, but he like didn't let me in. Like, it was like <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just leave him at the door. So, like, now that I'm in the door, I feel really excited. Um, <laughs> I went to uh, UC Santa Cruz, a uh, banana slug, uh, studied literature, uh, just love reading, writing. Uh, and then I ended up at a community newspaper in Atascadero, uh, which was really fun. And then I ended up here in the Bay, back where I'm from, uh, working at Cannabis Now magazine. Uh, I started off as a publisher's assistant, which meant that I was just, like, you know, scheduling phone calls and making... Uh, what, year was, what year was that? So this is your technically your, your entrance into cannabis media. Sure, 2013. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I said at one point, you guys know I can write, right? And, and then I worked my way up from, from there, uh, becoming the editor of Cannabis Now. I worked there for about eight years. Um, then I wrote a book. Um, it's called Weed, A Connoisseur's Guide to Cannabis. 
And then uh, I started working at High Times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that was, I mean, that feels like a really good, uh, you know, rise. Yeah. Ten, ten years, starting from, you know, just being someone's assistant in downtown Berkeley to... And it's also just how crazy, in that 10 years, how crazy cannabis journalism is right now compared to 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So wild. So wild. And to be doing it this whole time, full time, working in it, has just been insane. Like, going from the times when we were going to Denver, when the markets just opened there, um, in Seattle, traveling around, seeing, like, the changes as legalization was coming to all these different states. Um, What was the biggest shock jumping into cannabis media from, like, you know, Pascadero, a small town newspaper? The biggest shock? I don't know. I I just feel like, I guess when I jumped into cannabis media, I really started writing with the eye, with mm. the with the voice of my own voice. Ah, for sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the biggest change, and you know, just like of course, just like smoking with my boss, the publisher, smoking with the people that I worked with. You know, getting high all the time. That's not something you do in normal journalism, but you know, it should be. Mine was like, was there like a. Uh seminal moment when you made the transition from editorial assistant to writer where you're like all right this, now i'm st- i'm stuck doing this now this is great <laughs> yeah this is I, now my life's work <laughs> yeah i wasn't about to turn back around that, that was i was just trying to get in the door i was going to take any position that i could get hey man know? that's what i did i just flipped ad- i flipped ads to get my foot on the door i was just right. like get me on, just get me on a team man right right so then you know i was like okay now i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this this is this is what i where i'm supposed to be you know amen amen what was it like uh, telling your family you were going to make the transition to cannabis from, you know, you had your foot in the door in real journalism, per se, doing newspaper stuff. You could have, you know, tried to creep your way up to a bigger market paper or something like that and took, did it that way like a lot of people do. Sure. But you kind of were just like, oh, now I'm taking it a new direction, 2013. Yeah, that, that felt good because it was the one thing in my personal life that I wasn't really telling everyone that I smoked weed, that mm-hmm. I enjoyed cannabis. Um, so having a job in cannabis automatically made that the second question, like, well, you know, do you like cannabis? Well, of course I do. Let's talk about it now. It was more of an opening for me. And my family was was stoked about it because they saw the success that I was achieving, you know, working with you here in, in San Francisco. And we were up at the high rises and suddenly I'm, I'm in New York reporting on things and, you know, and that and, and now my mom's smoking weed. So it's great. When you first, you know, so you get your you're a writer for a bit. When you for, first start to get to take the real, like, editorial reins and, like, have some control over content and stuff like that, yeah. what are the things that were, like, going through your mind in that moment? Just honoring where the plant wanted to be, I guess, you know? Like, uh, making sure that I was following uh, my heart the whole time, uh, making sure that I was giving light on, putting light on the people that needed to have that exposure. Um, I always wanted to uh, honor the elders in the community. I'm always uh, focused on who came before us, um, those stories that might be lost if we don't tell them now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I, was, I was focused on that, like what, I guess what, what I should do was how I felt. Amen. Amen. What stories do you feel like have been, because you've watched a lot of these things for years now, you know what I mean? And a lot of these stories are like ongoing, be it, uh, safe banking, be it equity stuff. Like, you, know, you were in the room. Like, me and you were there at, right. like, the the Oak Deck meeting in Oakland back in the day. Like, you know, basically the first public West Coast equity meeting. And then we saw everything that went down in Oakland after that. And so, you know, you, you've been there. You've been literally in the room. What's, like, what have been some of your favorite things to watch long-term develop as opposed to, like, you know, these snapshot stories? 
Um, cannabis photography has excelled extremely a, a lot in, in terms of what uh, shots people can get. Just watching that uh, transform has been crazy. I think the, the being in the midst of changes in concentrates and the taste in concentrates is something I've been thinking a lot lately about how, you know, it was it was BHO and it was in the pizza box and now it's you know gonna be <laughs> uh, you know f- like six star hash and and where we are in terms of the trends of taste and uh, where we were um, I think those kind of things are really fun and and the, the strains are I've just been following the 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 trends and the strains and looking at your writing in terms of like what's going on with the tastes and the profiles and I'm just I'm really focused on I don't know all the stuff we can smoke. How how tricky is it to write a book about cannabis when so many things are changing so fast in the moment these days? Yeah, uh, it is really hard. That's why I didn't really want to focus on specific strains. I think that's a that's something that um, we're we're outside of now. Kind of the strain is mm, gone. People shop more by brands and understanding that uh, you know I like this this company puts out this and I like what they put before and maybe I don't. No, this new strain, but it's the it's the next. You know, I know that they do good work. Um, so I focus more on the taste profiles and the terpenes um, in the categories of fruit, fuel, earth, um, and floral. Um, so I use it as like a guide to the building blocks of how you might understand cannabis by understanding the terpene profiles, and that's better than you know trying to memorize thousands and thousands of different types of weed. We can't all just like store that in our heads like you. Hey, you know, after spending so many years, uh, even before you started the book, after spending so many years in the space, what were what were the things that uh, surprised you the most as you started writing it? The the things that we just think are normal, like the the words that we just decarboxylation, like we're just saying that shit. You know, people don't (laughs) (laughs) people don't say that. Like, it was interesting working with more straight editors in that regards. They were like, well, you know, it's you say it tastes like hash, but what does hash taste like? Oh, you know, uh, earthy, you know, like it's, it, it, it led me to um, answer questions that I was like, oh yeah, we do use a lot of, of words that other people don't understand. I don't want it to be coded. I want a it to be- little inside baseball. Yeah, exactly. That's what exactly. they came for. Right. They, they, can go to YouTube. they can go to YouTube if they want the softball stuff. <laughs> this, this is the mountaintop. Right. Oh man, uh, you noted uh, on hash. You know, you've been, uh, and we, you know, we basically we tried to puffco together for the first time like two months before it came out. Like we've been globbing hard together for years. Right. What's your favorite thing about the hash scene in this moment? I love that it's solventless. I love that we're getting into the solventless scene. Like I know that it was developing in the past, and the, but it was more minority share, and now it's like, like really exploding. And seeing uh, what we saw in Barcelona. Uh, at Spanibus, the international culture that's that's surrounding hash at this point in time, and the and the and the cultivation of beautiful flowers and the and the craft of making ice water hash is is just it's it's a good time to be smoking. What do you find it? Fa- you know, obviously there's a sense of like the sesh community in America, but I feel like the Europeans take like community to a whole new sense when it comes to like just like having fun. With cannabis, uh, what's what's your take on that? Yeah, it's kind of it, it reminds me of us back in the day. I feel like we got a little jaded uh, as this industry in California has gone on, you know. And it's more it's it's harder for people to to survive, and it gets this conversations get more serious. And in markets that are that are newer, they're just remembering like, oh yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun to get together. It's so fun to smoke. 
it's so fun to and try these new things, you know. And it, it just r- reminds me of the old days. Uh, you know, you're the editor of High Times. Is it crazy to you, like seven years into legalization, how few places there are in California and America in general that you can, like, tell people, like, you can go here, buy fire, and smoke some joints with your friends? You know what I mean? Just that the, the lack of, even though we're so far into this, the lack of lounge culture and accessibility to actually be able to smoke weed outside your house. And so many people don't even own property and they can't smoke at home. So like, there's just certain like class gap in being able to use cannabis. Is that fascinating to you that still exists? Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. It's, it's just, I hope that uh, someday we can get to the point where we can all, um, you know, have those lounge situations where we can have um, interstate commerce in terms of cannabis. I think that, you know, people should come to California to try the excellent weed that we have here um, to smoke it and enjoy it. But people should also like, a, like a bottle of Napa Valley wine, people should also be able to get it in other places. Um, I don't think that uh, cannabis should only exist within the California market anymore. No, for sure. For sure. Do you think, though, that California, like, you know, we're a lot of people saying we're right around the corner from interstate, even the head of the DCC saying it. Do you think in the end, though, that California is going to end up the bulk vast producing the vast majority of U.S. cannabis? And it's kind of like everything else is kind of just a cash grab right now. Yeah, we produce the mass majority of produce, agricultural produce across the U.S. I don't see any reason why this agricultural industry would be different than any of the others. Do you think people like, uh, that's such a hop on topic, you know, how do you, uh, you know, you deal with a lot of people from a lot of places, a lot of different growers from around the world or trying to like get your eyes on things, get your take on things. How do you, sensitive do you have to be when explaining that, you know, uh, it's, you know, this is a moment in time and certain people in certain places are going to be able to take advantage of that moment. But once the market kind of stabilizes a bit in a decade or so, like, you know, certain things aren't going to be like doing things a certain way in certain places just isn't going to be realistic. Uh... How do you be nice to people? Like, how do you <laughs> tell growers from other places that like, you know, it's all going to end up in Cali again someday? Like, even though these pro outfits, you know, they want to, they want to impress you. They want to, you know. Oh, they sure. want Ellen's gold star, but it's like even with Ellen's gold star, well, it, it ain't going to mean much here in a little bit. I think it kind of goes back to the question about like, uh, you know, the environment and, and how where we are in terms of like climate change and things like that, uh, the, the where the planet is like we want to be producing cannabis where is the best place to produce cannabis. We don't want to produce cannabis. Um, in places like Colorado, where you're going to need to like have all these climate controls and make sure the weed isn't like turn it to dust. Like you, you, we want the best uh, bang for our buck and the best, the best thing for for the world and the best thing for the world is California cannabis. Amen, amen. So, uh, do you think the general vibe of cannabis journalism post 2018 is a little bit lower enthusiasm than it was before? Because now we're kind of inundated with these. The, you know, the stories of those people who didn't make it and the reasons they didn't make it and, you know, robberies. It's just been it's been a pretty vicious, you know, there's still plenty of dope tales in cannabis. But it's also been seems like there's been more negative things than usual in recent years, as opposed to like the buildup was always, you know, it just it was all wins and new strains and, you know, yeah. sunshine and butterflies for yeah. so many years. And then people started falling off, you know. Yeah, I feel like, you know, California cannabis was based on the compassion programs and and giving weed away for free. Um, And when we had those like pieces in our heart to go forward with those like ambitions, um, you know, it was a lot. It was seemed a lot friendlier for sure. 
I feel like uh, now uh, we we can still find those really bright spot stories, and and we need to because the the world has like way too much bad news going on. Like you know, there, people look to cannabis as an escape. We want to get really, really high because we need to get really, really high to survive the the climate that we're in right now in terms of the pandemic and everything that's going on in politics. Things are freaking terrible. We we need to smoke giant hash holes and like <laughs> take dabs like just to just to get to get through. So, you know, uh, speaking of politics, you know, what's your take on, you know, we're in this weird moment where it's almost like this in the end game where you know legalization's coming but you don't know when it's coming or not we know certain things will be in it but we're not sure about other things and then obviously the safe banking battle was attached to legalization and like certain like certain things being in legalization in order for everyone to get access to banking there's been a whole you know plethora of things yeah like what's your take you know you're the editor of high times what do you you know your personal you know not the the magazine opinion but what's your take what's your take on this moment in cannabis politics and all this wildness i don't know i just i just hope it pans out the best but in terms of what we've seen in terms of legalization here in california and different states i I, I just don't think it, it will. I just think that the, the, the players who need to be involved probably won't be involved. It's just, it's just going to be a mess for a while like everything else has been. Do you think part of it is so many, you know, of the people we'd want to hear from on the topic are kind of stuck in this like survival mode right now? Yeah, definitely. That they don't have times to go to D.C. and then in turn we have someone sitting at a table in front of senators that's never even seen fire in their life. Yeah, and it's like now that they get to write the rules, and yeah. then we all we can do is hope that people are still able to grow heat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Where we all are, you know, too busy actually like trying to survive, and then there's there's other people who have, um, you know, d- different voices talking in their ear. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, hopefully it shapes up the best. But I just, you know, there are people that are fighting for it and trying to make sure it does. But I feel like in in all these circumstances where we have seen legalization, like just it's been far from perfect so for sure on the subject of legalization not going perfect uh <laughs> you're from you you know spend a lot of your adult life in oakland uh and you've had a front row ticket to the great you know all of oakland's great cannabis experiments mm. uh that didn't really pan out over the years mm-hmm. um you know we were of the like you know we we were together on election night 2016 me and you raging at the new parish wild uh with george from the men's warehouse bless his heart i guarantee it um <laughs> And we were kind of, you know, things looked good for Oakland in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was kind of Oakland's golden ticket to shred a lot of people thought then. And then uh, that ticket did, in fact, end up going through the shredder a few times. What was it like as, like, you know, uh, a person who understood the game, uh, watching things happen like that in the East Bay and how many companies uh, – you know, bailed on town. Ta- it was, you know, the, the the Oakland exodus, essentially. If you weren't a cultivator that had a few hundred lights up, you were trying to get out of town, you know? Yeah, it's 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 rough because, you know, we, you know, we're in San Francisco. This is this is the heart of medical marijuana. This is where everything began. Uh, the Bay Area has a has a, uh, you know, a rich history of, of fighting for cannabis legalization. And, and and to be at this point where we're kind of left in the dust is, is it's. It's a bummer, yeah, for sure. What was the point where you knew things weren't going quite right in Oakland? Oh man, 
I don't know. Like it's just it's just been a slow burn. Like like when as, as soon as the Oaksterdam didn't have a have a museum downtown anymore where you could go and see the plant and smoke in the consumption lounge, just like because it got taken over by a gentrifying bar, like <laughs> like then I was like, oh man, we used to go watch movies there and take dabs. Like now it's now it's just going to be a bar that's going to close in three months. I feel like um, downtown Oakland has changed a lot. Uh, the businesses in Oakland have been having a hard time in general, so I think it's just part of the part of the main. When culture. when you talk to operators uh, about this moment, what are the things that you hear them the most excited about, and what are the things you hear them the most stressed about? I think that people are still really excited about, you know, the opportunities that are here in terms of, like, getting new products out, working with different people, finding new companies. Um, and I think they are definitely really stressed about the robberies, about the violence, about the fact that, you know, the weed is um, a commodity that people can take and um, put on the, on the on the open market in a way that you can't do with other things. Um, I think that yeah, it's a shame. It's just, it's it's really scary to be here in the Bay, to be working in weed at this point in time. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild how much of a public, you know, after being here for so long, and like the dispensary I worked at, uh, I work at, excuse me, um, we've probably, since I've been there in 09, we probably had like 10 incidents uh, where people trying to get in at night, stuff like that, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then in the last two weeks, we've had cars go through the the front window twice. Just right. Like, so it's just like crazy like how f- things are ramping up. And that's happening all at all the dispensaries all over town in Oakland and, and in San Francisco. Um, yeah, usually for a long time in Berkeley, we were kind of uh, – we weren't, we weren't, we didn't face it too much because the cops in Berkeley show up quick. Like in Oakland, uh, you don't, you're not even totally sure if the cops are going to show up for uh, a farm robbery. And if they do, they probably won't chase them and they might not, you know, they'll just sit there and watch the dudes run out with your, your cuts. Uh, so it's, it's wild. It's wild to see people who are like functional in Oakland. Like, and again, yeah. a lot of those people are cultivators because anyone else like if you could because if you could get out of town you did um, <laughs> for sure unless you just had a giant farm that you couldn't just pick up and move to Santa Rosa or some little city in between here and Sac that decided it wanted to get in the mix on weed tax dollars because that was a thing too like when when it was time to leave Oakland there was a bunch of these little little spots that were just kind of like deciding it was time to dabble in you know, maybe I do want a little bit of that weed money and then you had this Oakland next to this so like people were able to find these towns and be functional businesses uh and you know some and of course some of those towns are in the middle of nowhere so they're still they still end up getting robbed because the sheriff doesn't show up for 15 minutes but you know it's still a, a different atmosphere for survival uh once you get outside of the east bay yeah and i mean it it hasn't been like this like the, in our time in cannabis you know yeah. it hasn't been as uh frightening as threatening uh, like people you know, with gun at gunpoint coming into our friends' shops. Yeah, it's, it's why it's the scale too. Because we've had people dying, like people that have been dying in Oakland the past few years for sure. We had that poor girl that passed away at the distribution center. Um, people have died on the streets, and cannabis sales gone sideways. Uh, so there's definitely there's definitely been a body count, but this it's crazy how um, on the on the property crime scale. It's just uh, at post uh, 2020, the first wave of real cannabis 
industry property crimes we saw in the Bay Area uh, en masse, because we've seen them forever. People, you know, people, we have big piles of money and weed, so people have been ro- trying to rob dispensaries forever. Right. But the first, when we started to see a more tactical wave element start to happen in 2020 during the, the George Floyd protests, kind of, uh, that, was like, that was like a turning point for the way cannabis dispensaries were impacted in the Bay Area. And then every now and then, uh, it's probably been, f- since that, there's probably been like four or five more waves over the past three years of just kind of like just come and go. And it's just, uh, it's fascinating to see. It's uh, so many questions about it. Obviously, number one, the lack of banking access and the giant piles of money uh, is a big factor. And then second, you have, uh, you know, as enforcement has gone up in California, these dudes that were trapping have less and less of their own product to sell to their hooks wherever they may be outside the state. So these dudes aren't giving up those hooks. Just because they don't have products, they're not going to give up those hooks. They're going to go rob people. So now part part of this criminal element is certainly like, you know, I wouldn't even I wouldn't begin to guesstimate on percentages and stuff like that. But without a doubt, a piece of this criminal element now hitting the cannabis industry in the Bay Area are these people trying to refill the coffers for for their hooks outside of state because they had trouble. Uh, they're having more and more trouble cultivating uh, on the other side of the fence. Uh, so that's been fascinating just to see uh, that, you know, the way enforcement interacts with the way dispensaries are getting robbed and it's, it's sad stuff like you know, like you know we had a one of the newest shops in oakland the, the owner got shot within a week of it being open yeah. and it's just, it's just sad stuff i forgot that that they were using the protest as a cover that that's how it, I, yeah that yeah it was crazy they were like all the cops were downtown right. so the caravans would uh go to all the shops distribution centers one distribution center got hit by like a professional like safe cracking team uh, a spot outside Sacramento, and they got hit for like 164k, and it was like, man, why? And this, you know, this is what the industry faces because you know you don't have access to basic financial services. You think they would have had all that cash stacked up in there if they could have a bank account that they didn't have to worry about? And and, and, then, and then these bank accounts that do exist, they are in themselves uh, this you know, quasi like elitist thing because you have to have a certain amount of funds period just to have, you know, the service fees on these weed offshore weed bank accounts are like 4,000 bucks a month just to, just to get it going. So these mom and pops, they can't swing four G's a month just to have financial services are once again put behind the eight ball while uh, the more well-funded entity is able to throw money at these stupid service fees that shouldn't exist in the the first place when all these people who are operating in full compliance with state law uh, should just have access to financial services, period. Agreed. Crazy, crazy, crazy. What's well besides that? What else makes you mad about weed these days, Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not a lot of things make me mad about weed. You know. Yeah, you're pretty upbeat. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. like, like, you, and, to... you and John are very yin and yang over there at high times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try to keep it positive. I try to. I was focus like, I love the, the gelato party. <laughs> 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 no, I was not there. <laughs> Who uh, who's your favorite person? Because like, you obviously have been in the weed game for a long time, but like I imagine becoming the editor of High Times opened new doors. Who's your favorite person you've met since becoming the editor of High Times? 
I don't know. I'm. But you I, were up there. You already met. Yeah, you were. You know, the head of Cannabis Now for so long. You know, so I get that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I. It, it honestly, it's probably John, John Capetta. I mean, like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know him yet. You know, we were interacting <laughs> just online, so. What a great answer. <laughs> it's true, you know. He's, he's, a, he's a really uh, great personality. He's a great person to work with. He's a great writer. Um, it's great to uh, work with him at, at high times. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, I still, uh, you know, stay behind my computer a lot of times. So and and also just roll with the same crew. I have a problem because I just like go into the room and then yeah, I the get, people, like, uh, find though, Jimmy and then I, and then I just hang out with Jimmy or you know, like I find you, Rochelle Gordon and I'm just like yeah, yes, Rochelle's here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I'll let the people come and introduce themselves to me. Do you think sometimes people think the job is just all super fun and they don't understand the amount of isolationism? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. I have so many people. You know, and, and both of you do as well. Like they'll come up to you and they'll say, "Oh, I really want to write about weed." You know, how do you do it? And you're just like, "You're like, well, you know, you actually have to sit down and write about weed. Like, it's that it's those moments when you're behind the the keyboard, looking at the screen. The stories do. You know, you can smoke as much weed as you want. It's right next to you, uh, but you have to get it done, and because the deadline's coming, and there's something else coming after it." Uh, so and then another one, and then another right, one. Right. You hope that's the hope, right? That's the goal. And some writers, you know, hold the story, and it's so precious to them, and it's so perfect, and it has to be, you know, like. And you wanna, you wanna help them get to that point, and you want those stories to be precious and perfect when they come out. But at the same time, you know, you, 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 as an editor, as a, as a person who's putting together a publication, I, you know, I have to understand that it's, it's you know, fun the next too, one's coming, the next one's coming. Because you get to deal with every kind of writer. Like, you know, you get like, <laughs> yeah, you get that person. That writes like one a quarter. Sure. That thinks they're a pure. They're an artist. They heavily identify yes. as a journalist. Yes. Like with, yes. you know, they get their, they get their four thousand words in a year, mm-hmm. and they just like, oh, I feel good. I'm like, I'm doing <laughs> it for the culture. And then you get so you get the fried people, yeah. like the me's and like those people that are just like, doom, doom, no, on the you. next one. That's not you. <laughs> that's not you. You 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 put in the time on the stories. You you write uh, and uh, you know you. you you get to the heart of the matter, and you and you make sure it's told, and, it and you have fun. all the right connections as it well. It must be fun to see every type of personality type that uh, identifies as a cannabis journalist in this moment. <laughs> I feel it, like it's a lot more diverse than it was a decade ago. <laughs> it is, it is, and that you know that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different people. There's a lot of different types of writers. Um, you know, but I I'm always looking for the people who you know are already stars, who already have. Um, you know, they're writing, uh, it has a unique voice, a new, unique style. I'm not trying to stifle anyone. I'm just trying to let you let you shine. Do you think uh, the journalism aspect of the industry is more diverse gender-wise than other aspects of the industry? Yes. Yes. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other aspects of the industry, it can be a lot more male-dominated. I think there's a lot of good uh, female voices um, in cannabis journalism. Do you think part of that is just High Times always had female editors for the past 30 years? So, like, this is, like, female voices leading the cannabis dialogue. It's just always been a thing. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're half the population. We're going to get it. For sure. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. It's just so different. You know, uh, so much of the industry is referred to as a voice club. You know what I mean? And the, sure, it seems for, like the journalism for space is never... female flower. Hmm. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a, there's, 
women understand cannabis in a different way than men. I think that there's different types of smokers. There's different pe- types of people who, um, you know, like uh, I think that more often than not, uh, a lot of dudes are kind of the heaviest, the ho- most hardcore smokers. And, you know, we, we, we I, I, I smoke a lot. Rochelle smokes a lot. You know, we roll with it. But um, I think that uh, there's also uh, people who are reading who need to step a little bit outside of that. Like I was saying before with the book, it's just like you have to like take a little bit of the, of the vocab off of it to make it more uh, understandable. Um, a lot of cannabis media outlets uh, are, you know, just click mills trying to drive cash. How do you, uh, how do you think the rise of AI is going to impact the development pool of journalism writers just because there's so there's going to be less spaces for the guy coming up at, you know, these smaller web publications where people get their feet wet and try and climb up to a high times or, or whatever. Well, like, how do you think AI is going to impact Hopefully that? it just makes us be more real. You know, we actually have to smoke the weed. We actually have to smell the weed. We actually have to meet with the people. That's something that robots can't do. So, <laughs> you know. Thankfully. Screw you, robot overlords. I can still smoke all the weeds and take all the dabs and... You don't have an endocannabinoid system, so... Um. So you value... So on the subject of endocannabinoid systems and robots and data, <laughs> uh, you know, what's your take? You know, California State Fair. California State Fair went all data last year yeah. to give out awards. What, were you, what was your take on that? I think that's just exciting for the California State Fair to be acknowledging cannabis as an agricultural product alongside wine, alongside beer competitions. Like, finally, thank you. Like, if you want to go data points, that, that's, that's fine, too. You know, I think that... They, they work you think the there's community. enough people doing it? There's, uh, you know, there's enough formats out there that it doesn't matter because there's so many other ways people are looking at weed right now yeah. and grading it that it's just it's like that's their way of doing it. Yeah. Or, or is there a sense that if you so the the and then the devil's advocate is like if you're gonna say this is the best weed in the state, some some people should look at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm well. I mean, like. I don't know. If, I don't know which one won the last year, but um, you know, yeah, somebody should have smoked it for sure. And I see. Yeah, that's another thing. And then, do you? Uh, man, <laughs> I was curious to how. Uh, I remember a couple. Of, I remember like Mocha. I remember uh, a couple and one other. I can't remember off the top of my head. As I claimed, I did. But uh, you know, there was I, there was a couple of good strains in the mix for sure. And then when you go back and look at it, you can get why the terpene profile and the data was good. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like, uh, you know, I just that that final element of like, you know, I have to see I have to see something to make sure it checks every box. You can't like even people are always like, oh, this is my new thing in a pre-roll gym. Tell me what you think. It's like, I can't tell you what I think. It's a pre-roll. Like I need to I need to, you know, envelop myself in this moment and these buds to, to best understand what you got going on here. Uh, so it's like, uh, you know, that part's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, we. I th- I definitely think that the the people who do the best weed journalism are the people who are actually smoking the weed that they're writing about. Who are your favorite people to read uh, that aren't sitting at this table? Uh, you know, well, you know, David Downs is yep. an incredible writer. He's 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 like the poet of pot. He 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 puts in these like just beautiful phrases, and you're like, wow, that like. I you know you could you could have written about anything, but you chose to write about about weed, and it and it's so lovely. Um, and I also enjoy uh, reading uh, the work uh, John. You know all the people that I yep. that I have to not that I have to that I get to edit in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Jackson is doing uh, great work. 
yeah, he you know he really understands the scene. I'm working with um, Dan Wilson at uh, Hollywood. Um, he's doing yeah. You picked up a lot of new faces on the team over the last year for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like we got. I was already there. It was like the boat was just like the Ellen boat pulled up. I was like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my job at at High Times is is a lot about giving the people who should be in High Times the moment to be in High Times, both the writers and the people who are being featured. You know, it's just like, wow, you haven't been in High Times yet. Like, let's get you in the magazine. Uh, How hard, you know, uh, High Times is generally. Uh, issue driven, theme driven by the issue by month. How you know you, you so certain ideas and certain things you kind of, you might get like one shot a year to do a feature about that kind of hydro company or one shot a year to do a feature on this kind of hash company. Like you want to make sure you time it right. How hard is it to pick in these like you know in these specialized issues? How hard is it to pick and hold on to like the right stories for the right moment of the year and have the right person write it and all that? You know, mm, it's not that hard. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> uh, you know, I I I I look at the themes and then I I figure out where you know who has amazing shots, who should who should be in the issue, who's the best writer for it. Uh, you know, it's easy to work with yourself and just plug because you're already plugged into so many people. You know, I can say, do you know, do the do the backpack boys and do lemon cherry gelato, and I really want to know what's happening with that, and and you can do it, and I and I know uh, the skill strength, the skills and strengths of who I'm working with. So, you know, they're you're all beautiful, incredible artists, and including the photographers. You know, you can I know that I I often work a lot with Candid Kush. He's done a lot of covers, uh, Chris Romaine, and you know, like I said, he's somebody who who definitely deserves a High Times cover, uh, and so it was great to make that happen for him. What do you think of like these main, more mainstream dabbles into the cannabis media space over the years? We've seen, obviously, we're sitting here in the basement of the Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we you know we've you know <laughs> there's the, weed on the table. The Let me cannab- just tell you guys, there's the weed cannabis on the table. over the years. And you know, the, just to keep it real, like the like Hearst as an entity Ooh. has been messing with weed since like 2011. Like I got my start flipping ads. Uh, for Smell the Truth back in the day before it got absorbed, like all the cannabis coverage basically got absorbed in-house after mm-hmm. Prop 64 because mm-hmm. they didn't need a separate entity to take the weed cash anymore. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I just reacted that way because I was thinking about William Randolph Hearst. And yeah, he right. He was trying to like, you know, not have weed exist at all. He would be shocked if he knew how much marijuana was in this building. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's uh so what's on your uh go what's your go to jar? I know you get a lot of stuff, obviously, but what's your go to jar at home right now? Um, I am rocking with uh some of the glitter bomb from Compound Genetics. I feel like that strain has a has has legs. I'm seeing it go. So. Yeah, and it's it's still less than it's like it's only been out since like last August too. So like, a lot of people debut at your Trans Bay Challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people got their hands on it there, and um, it just popped off hard and it's funny because like sometimes i can confuse it with like there's the glitter box and then there's the glitter bomb and i'll always confuse like confuse it to the wrong person and it's just so brutal oh that happened to me a hall of flowers (laughs) it's like no jimmy this is mine i'm like i'm sorry (laughs) it's fun to be you know at the forefront of something and see see a new strain like that and be like how often do you see how often do you see something (laughs) that uh someone tells you is new uh-huh. And you're just like, oh, I've seen a thousand of these. Come on. Um, you know, it it happens, but you know, I try not to let it show in my face. 
<laughs> which is something I'm really bad at. I just reveal everything. <laughs> nope. in my no face. poker face, Alan. No, no. I'm like too honest. This is fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even say it. I just like walk away. Oh. Friendly smile and nod. Yeah, well, yeah. On to the next one. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite? Ha- what's your favorite hash right now? Uh, I-, I like Kalia. Yeah. Yeah. It's been consistently really, really good. Uh, you know, not, and not just because they're always hooking it up. But yeah, they have a one. lot of world championships. <laughs> they have won a lot of world championships you had nothing to do with. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. I think there's, like, you know, we, no one's going to claim you're, uh, you're, you're, you know, selling out on that one. This absolute heat. I, I love it myself. Uh, we got we got Mark on next episode. Oh, great. We're diving in. Perfect. We're diving in. It's fun. Uh, and it's cool with I'm those not- guys. They've reached a level where... Uh, so many kill- other killers, like e- mutually monstrous people want to work with them. So you get to see like the Alien Labs collab and yeah. all these other monsters of heat with super cool terps getting it washed by some of the best people in the game. So yeah, I'm a big, I'm all about it too, for sure. It just, it tastes delicious. And I'm noticing that this little tiny, like there's a little tiny cooler next to me that's all filled with like, it's Kalia cooler and it's filled with terps inside of here. And this is fun. <laughs> 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 there's terps in the Chronicle. We're if trying you go down our best, to the basement. Right? <laughs> the secret stash. <laughs> well below the legal limit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, you know, uh what uh in these dark ages of cannabis as some would claim, what are what is the thing that inspires you the most and like keeps the the hope a, a lit in your heart? weed itself yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah it really you know it inspires me to smoke this much weed it's it it is a an amazing way to live and and the only way that i know how to do it so yeah the weed is is amazing the we're still growing the best weed in the world we're still smoking the best weed in the world you know we're still enjoying the best terps uh the best genetics uh all those things haven't is changed. It, is it ever hard to phrase that without sounding like elitist? Because it's probably true. It's probably the heat's mm-hmm. probably here. You know, it really is. But you know, it's like you're the, you're the world's editor of High Times Magazine. You're not California's editor of High Times Magazine. Uh, yeah, so you, I guess. So you know, is it ever <laughs> like? Uh, do you ever have to like play to those sensitivities of people that think they have the heat? Mm. No, like I said, I don't have a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of ways to hide. Um, I, I, I'm from California. I, you know, I, I stand for this industry. I, I, I know we're the best. What, like, how does um, <laughs> how big is your list of like monsters right now? Just the like the name, like you know, there's so many people out there growing weed. Like, if you had, you know, is, is it ever hard? Like, does it change much? Is it, is it basically been the same faces for a while? Like, who was the last like new person that got on your radar? Oh yeah, no, it changes all the time. I because th- I feel like uh, you know, I'm introduced to people through the magazine, um, Wizard Trees Genetics. We, like the people in LA, the people that you're doing for um, that you write about uh, with LA Weekly. I feel like um, I know I don't get down to LA as often as I should. So Neither when do I see I. the the <laughs> LA the LA culture, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that looks cool. Doja, like all, all these um, new people down there is um, I'm getting introduced to them. As of as of now, yeah. There you go. Well, and you know, and, and of course, Sacramento. The things that are going in Sacramento with the Turtle Pie Company and the Cam, 
Um, yeah, Heat Town, USA. Yeah, Alien yeah. Labs. Sacramento's crazy. Sacra- Sacramento, Sacramento probably has the most like elite growers per capita, even if it doesn't have like the most per se. Like it has more monsters than a lot of other places. You know, we do good here too. You know, here, you know, Oakland got DEO and Fig, and over here in San Francisco, <laughs> they got Sense and. Uh, a couple other people doing the the powers up team, you know, some some other monsters of heat, but Sacramento is this like whole another level of just like it's it's just a, a piranha's nest of just like you know like just crazy people. And sometimes I meet people from uh, Sac that like aren't one of the big dogs, and I yeah. just wonder to myself, how do you do it up there? Like how do you like that? Like well, who, who are you? What is this weed? How do you survive? Like how do you eat in Sacramento? Like I see <laughs> I see what's going on up there. <laughs> You know, in a way, that feels right, too. It's the capital of California. So, like, let's have it be the capital of cannabis, maybe. We can. We can. Yeah, well, uh, it was supposed to be, like, down here where everyone, you know, a lot of people had their would have put their chips on the Bay or L.A. Yeah. Uh, but it is fascinating to see what uh, the state's capital has been able to do. And it's hard to be a cannabis. It's not like, you know, it's, uh, the, you know, that's the closest you can be to the regulators. Like, everyone wants to come inspect you. Like, you're in the, you're in the capital. Yeah. You're the first, like... You're the when they want to go when they feel like going out to look at some someone to see if they're screwing up. You're one of the and they and they're feeling lazy and they want to take an early lunch. You're one of the first people they can go. Let's go look at them real quick and see if they're screwing up. Yeah. You know, it's like sad and but and so sad is not like screwing up. they're not a lot. Like it's a <laughs> a very high standard of operator it takes to to exist up there. And I think that that standard of existence and the quality of like. Everything else that you have to be as an ent- entity, as a building, as uh, you know, uh, plays into the quality of the weed up there because every other aspect of their of their life is held to such a um, higher accountability. But it's affordable square footage. Yeah, man, the weed is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> are you um? Ex- are you so you know? We uh, you've been covered all the major championships and contests you're an emerald cup judge oh, excuse me you're a trans bay judge like what's it what do you think of the contest scene in this moment we've gone from when we started working together we basically was the the one cannabis cup a year right. and the emerald cup yeah and that was a wrap and you know those were your two those were two sacred weekends yeah. for anyone in california who loved weed yeah and then we've just you know watch the calendar explode over the years to you know we're past the point of monthly there's almost it's almost we're almost at like a weekly you know sesh thing now we've probably point back to like the secret sesh is one of the earliest ones that helped start blowing up shout out to adam and tim yeah um but like just generally speaking this this event scene has gone from you know a couple times a year or and some micro sessions to these you know huge parties all the time and then on the industry side obviously you have these like weeks of obligation to hall of flowers and las vegas and stuff like how crazy is that you know I think it's great because, you know, we were isolated so much during the pandemic. We were so alone in our, in our own spaces. So it, it, now's the time to get out and do all the things. And, you know, it, it's it's fun to definitely see our friends again and feel like we're building a community. I think that's the only way that it's a great way to meet people, to be uh, meet people, to be featured in the magazine. I really like to reach out to people in person. Um, so I like to be at all these all these events and doing all these things. Um, I definitely feel like weed events should have weed, and they are very suspect when they do not have weed or when they're just at a bar or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, weed events should have places to consume weed. 
That's my number one thing. Amen. What do you think the biggest difference? I'll, I'll tell you mine after because I want to get your take. Um, what do you think the biggest difference in weed coming out of the pandemic was compared to March 2020? I don't know. Like the whole time is just melting. I can't. Like... <laughs> I think there was professional. Suddenly, like we came out of the pandemic, and there was professional rollers everywhere. Oh yeah, that's. A... Oh, you're right. <laughs> I'm not gonna just jump on your thing, but yeah, like to the point where it was like I was working in stories for High Times magazine, and you know, you usually credit the grower um, and the maybe the cultivator so you had to and the strain, the and then like, hey, the, you yeah. didn't credit me. I'm the I'm the roller, and I was like, oh wow, people are making a whole like business out of it's this an, thing. A whole thing. It was fun. Like there was like I got to see the first waves. Uh, I feel like you know I think like uh, Bruno got in early, CGO got in early. Yeah. And then like there was like this the second wave was crazy because I think it's I think a couple people saw what that and then the Fidel's crew was crazy too because those guys were pumping out the hash holes. So in in that moment those like were probably like the hash holes in the midst of the pandemic. Like in the middle, like you had these start, a couple names started to like percolate as like professional rollers. Yeah. Uh, and then like by the time it was over, it was like these are like celebrities. <laughs> like, and yeah. it's such a I get such a I love it. I get such a kick out of it. I mean, the, they are rolling such good joints. Like I, I I'm a terrible roller myself, and the the rolls that these guys put out are like. So and they're good. all generally pretty nice people because yeah. you can like find because if they weren't, you just find somebody that was nice that can roll a joint. It's not that you know, it's not rockets. <laughs> You know, they usually have like a glass tip in them. You know, they're 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 packed really well. They they burn clean. I you know, it's a, it's a great experience uh, enjoying these people's crafts. Yeah, it's like time. these like tech wars. Yeah. Like, well, uh, this is why I fold my. This is how I fold the end better than him. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the proper way to do it. Okay. Yeah, that's been that's been a fun cultural thing. You're right. That was good. I should have said that here. <laughs> oh my god, so, I remember nothing. <laughs> so so back to your adventures abroad this year. We had a blast in Barcelona, obviously. Uh, what uh, what's it like watching this? You know, we were in our bubble for so long in California. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, what's it been like watching the world's like cannabis scene explode? I love it because I love to see people that are my friends. It's like here. your job gets a little bit more validated every week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And to 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 go out on the international scene with people like yourself, with David Downs, with the uh, Dank Duchess, uh, Ed Rosenthal, to see them in different spaces and they're huge celebrities and they're you know they, they I know that you all are huge celebrities, but we're, you're also just my friends. So it's really fun to see us like shine on the international scale, and see you know everyone be, get really excited and scream at you from across the room woods from the good woods with the goods like jimmy's here you know (laughs) besides uh let's say the most obvious thing you talk most people are going to talk about when they talk about overseas is going to be the quality of hash uh it's fire a what besides the good hash and the nice people what was the things that uh like stood out to you the most about your time in europe uh, the social club scene was was pretty interesting. How and how uh, you know it's 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 generally accepted when you're inside the clubs. You, everyone's pretty free with it. But how serious it is once you get outside the door. Like don't you know make sure you're not waiting for a cab right there. Like make sure you don't have anything put on you. Don't smoke in front of the club. Like it felt uh, you know like in the in like it is illegal. So it felt a little bit like you know we should be more cautious at that. Point. Yeah, and we were like. <laughs> We're just we like, were the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I got it was funny. I went so I went uh I went with Ellen to Barcelona and then I went back to um 
Tenere off the coast of um, Morocco about a month later for 420 to judge the Canary Island Champions Cup. And I got ran so hard by the police at 3 in the morning. <laughs> it was the, like, most intensive search of my life. And I had all these empty weed bags on me. Uh-huh. So they were just going through every bag, opening it up, and seeing that they were empty. He's like, why does this dude have all these empty uh, weed bags on him? It's like, I, souvenirs, sir. <laughs> I'm sure they still smelled pretty good, too. They're like, like, yeah, they were <laughs> dank. Oh, we were hanging on. We had so many. Yo, the weed on the island. There's like 600 clubs on the island. Yeah. It's crazy. And in Spain, um, it's like 800 clubs in Barcelona uh, or whatever it is now. It's wild. Uh, just seeing the, the gray, like, cause that's what it was here for a long time. It's yeah. the same, like, basically, it's 1996 to 2016. Yeah. Uh, in a bunch of places right now, where yeah. a bunch of people are just doing it with, in a way that they think they're gonna be okay, and then sometimes the cops show up and like, no, you are not okay. Right. Like one guy, uh, when I was out on the island, one guy said to me, you know, uh, I've never heard of a dispensary closing. Because it wasn't doing good business. I've only heard of it because the police just got like fed up and the neighbors got like people just complained too much to the police. So they're eventually like, yes, this, is, this isn't going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, remember that ICBC party that we were at in uh, in Barcelona and we were smoking the blunt and oh, then yeah. the dude walked up and I was like, uh, he's like, you can't smoke here. And I was like, well, can I smoke hemp? I was like, uh, only tobacco. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I think that's the so funny confused. thing is like, you know, like if hemp's, le- if hemp's legal and, you know, go ahead and test it, you know? Like, I don't know. It seems like that's a good answer. Pro tip, keep a uh, <laughs> pack of hemp blunts on you all the time. <laughs> so if you want to smoke blunts everywhere <laughs> and they're like, oh, no tobacco, you can be like, oh, it's okay. It's hemp. It's hemp. Yeah. Yeah. Shout outs Woody Harrelson, <laughs> Paul McCartney, and the rest of the Woods team. <laughs> it's him. It's CBD. There's no THC in this officer. Who is uh who is the friendliest celebrity you met doing all the weed stuff? Uh a Roy Choi. Okay. Uh, cool. The, the chef in, in Los Angeles behind the Koji uh food truck phenomenon. Absolutely, he's, for sure. he's such a lovely person. He I I Full on did an interview with him and then just like hung out like and, and gave him an edible and he was all stoked and he was talking to like the Los Angeles Times afterwards like, oh, I'm kind of feeling kind of high because she gave me an edible. I was like, <laughs> oh, shoot, Roy, we're homies. Like, it was good. All right. All right. Without naming names, tell me the story of your least favorite interview. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What my least favorite interview? I think my least favorite interviews are just like the kind where, you know, I... I in the beginnings when I didn't get to choose my own stories and I got like, oh, interview this prohibitionist person or something like that where I already knew that we were not going to see yeah. eye to eye and I yeah, had yeah, to yeah. call them and be like, what's up, girl? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I literally did that one time. My husband was like, you're supposed to say, like, I'm Ellen Holland. Oh, da, da, da. Hey, <laughs> hey. I was just like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let's try to big uh, you know, I, I, I get friendly with people I like to have I like to have fun and I like to keep it positive so when I have to talk to somebody who's like on the other side of where we are at it's those are the those are the not fun conversations um post book and on to this high times life are you getting able to are you able to put out as much content as you like in this editorial role or do you find yourself uh puppeteering a bit more Oh no, you know, I'm 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 writing my own masterpieces. It's it's really fun. I always as a writer I always feel like, "Oh, I have nothing to say." And then I'll <laughs> And that's 3,000 words uh, later. <laughs> yeah. 
then I'll have to start working on it and be like, oh, it's, I'm going to travel is back. Is this a book? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to travel back to 2017 when this happened and then bring it back to t- 2023 and then bring in these other characters and like turn it into this like real big narrative. I think that's one thing that I'm having a lot of fun with right now is realizing that uh, – we are we are the legends of our time. You know, we we can we can write stories about ourselves because we're changing the world of cannabis and and writing stories about myself or writing stories with my friends in it. And what we do is is authentically like uh, making a difference in terms of what's happening in terms of the cultural shifts in cannabis and and what we're doing is really important. So it's I'm I'm not afraid to write our own myths at this time or like make us myths at this time. Word word. Uh, tell everybody where they can buy your book, where they can find your writings. Um, well, I always say to buy my book at, at your local bookstore. Weed, A Connoisseur's Guide to Cannabis is available at your local bookstore. And one thing that's really exciting for uh, Chronicle listeners is it's also available at the library. Yes, there's four copies at the San Francisco Public Library. Go check it out. Woo! <laughs> Shout out to libraries. Yeah, come on. They have so many good things. We'll get you on a banned book list in no time, girl. Yeah, that would be really cool. I hope I have an FBI file. And they're just like, <laughs> hmm, wrote a book. Was you're going to put Ellen between uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and JFK. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, girl's got a dream. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much, Ellen. Guys, that was uh, Smoke and Bridges episode four. Uh, super appreciate our sponsors at Detai Gummies uh, and Bark and the great folks at the Cannabis Media Council. God bless their hearts. Uh, we are having a good time in San Francisco today. We hope you have a great one and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Detai Gummies. I love this gummy. Uh, It's solventless and it tastes like a fruit market in Thailand. Big ups to our homies over at the Cannabis Media Council working very hard to, to point the compass in the right direction for the mainstream media when it comes to cannabis. God bless them. We appreciate their support, and uh, we we are excited to share this episode with you.